going through this study looking at the life of this 9th century BC prophet by the name of Elisha, this guy who had ridiculous faith and God did some just amazing things in his life. And there's a story that comes right after the passage of scripture that we studied last Sunday that we, we aren't going to cover on a Sunday morning, but I thought it was just a, an interesting passage. And, and, and sometimes it's looked at as a very difficult passage of scripture. And so I didn't want to just gloss over it um, and just completely skip it, but wanted to be able to address it this way in case some people were, were curious about this passage and, and what it is and what it means. So right after the passage that we read uh, last week where Elisha's in Jericho and where the people are living under this curse and, and he shows this ridiculous love and, and he, he heals the water or God uses him to as a conduit of love to heal the water there for the people of Jericho, we find Elisha going up to, to Bethel and that happens in 2 Kings 2 uh, verse 23 it says from there Elisha went to Bethel and as he was walking along the road some youths came out of the town and jeered at him go on up you bald head they said go on up you bald head he turned around he looked at them and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth and he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria and so you have this kind of crazy passage of scripture. It's uh, kind of funny for people who are bald. This is like their, their life verse at times when kids make fun of them. They're like, hey, remember there was a prophet of God and uh, he was bald headed. And, and look at what happened to these kids when they made fun of him for it. Um, but for a lot of us, I mean, when we look at this passage, it's, it's troubling. Like, did Elisha really wish for these kids to get mauled to death just for simply teasing him about the way he looked? Um there's a lot more going on here when we dig underneath the surface. These aren't kids, for one thing. Uh, these are older teenagers, maybe even young adults. Um, and, and Scripture says there's 42 of them. 42 people coming around Elisha um, and, and yelling at him these, these jeers and these taunts is probably more of a mob. Um, he's, he's being attacked by these guys. As he goes up to, to Bethel, we know that Bethel was kind of the center for idolatry for the northern kingdom, for Israel. Uh, this is where people were adamant about worshiping a deity other than Yahweh God. And, and as Elisha is there, these, this group of people, this mob is essentially saying to him, we don't value you as a prophet. We don't believe that you can do what Elijah did before you. And if you are here in Bethel to, to bring the word of God, to try to pull us back to, to Yahweh, to make us stop worshiping Baal and all of the things that we want to do, um, get out of here. Go on up. It's either kind of like a get out of here, leave us alone, stop telling us about your God, or, or maybe even go up like Elisha went up uh, in the whirlwind to heaven. They, they want to get rid of this prophet. They see him, um, his baldness may be a symbol of, of his prophecy. It may just be something that's, that's different and stands out about him, something that they can ridicule. But it seems very apparent that these um, these young men are just gathering this huge mob around the prophet and they're saying, we like our sin. We're comfortable with what we do. We don't want you here. We don't want you telling us about God. We don't want that guy. We don't want what he has for, for our lives. We, we're good the way we are. You get out of here. You leave us alone. You take all that God stuff and, and you just get on up. Just go away. Leave us alone. And it says that Elisha calls down a curse on 
on them. Now, it's very important to note that Elisha is not real specific. I don't think that Elisha is necessarily calling for their immediate deaths, but he does call down uh, the curse, which I think is probably a reminder just simply of what God had already said is going to happen. When we look back into scripture, we see Moses left the covenant of God. And God's covenant said, here's the laws that you are to follow. And if you follow those laws, things are going to go very well for you in the promised land. If you don't, excuse me, if you don't follow those laws, things will go very poorly for you, very bad. And most of all, God was concerned about idolatry, about are you going to worship the Lord your God and him only? Or are you going to serve the gods of the people who were in the land before you got there? And, and these people are essentially saying to Elisha, we want to worship these false gods. We want to do life our way. We don't care what you have to say about who God is and what he wants um, and his purity. It's, it's kind of juxtaposed, if you will, to the people of Jericho. They were under a curse and Elisha goes there and, and he brings life. He, he removes the curse because the people are willing to turn from their sin. They're, they're turning towards God and they're saying, God, we, we want you in our lives. We want what God has for us. We don't want the curse that we've been under and we're turning back to God. These youths in Bethel are the opposite. They're saying, we don't want God. We want to continue to pursue uh, in our sin. We want to keep doing what we're doing. And speaking of this curse, it was already written long before Elisha ever lived. Uh, if you go back and you start reading the Old Covenant in Leviticus chapter 26, 21, God is saying this to the people. He says, if you remain hostile to me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your affliction seven times over as your sin deserves. I will send wild animals against you. They will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. So you have written right here, uh, quite a while before Elisha is on this road in Bethel, you have God saying what he's going to do. If you're unfaithful, if you're following these false gods, wild animals will attack you. And as, as Elisha is passing through Bethel, and as these young men and young adults are here, and they're ridiculing this prophet to keep him out, and trying to say, we don't want God in our lives, Elisha basically just does what a prophet does. He speaks the word of truth from the word of God, and he says, you are cursed because of what you're doing. Because you want to continue and persist in your sin, God's curse is upon you. And a very specific curse of God that was already pronounced in Scripture in Leviticus 26 comes to pass. And these bears come out of the woods and they take the life of, of these young men. Probably this was intended to be a sign and a symbol to the people. You lost a significant portion of people. Do not continue in your sin. Continuing to go your own way, continuing to forsake God, continuing to follow and trust in um, the, these false deities is not going to go well for you. We know that things got much, much worse for the northern and southern kingdoms as they continued and persisted in idolatry, as, as they forsook God. In our own life, I think there's still some, some interesting principles that we can take from this. And still, if we follow God, we find the blessings that God wants to give us. If we're rejecting God, then, then sometimes things happen in our lives where, where, where God allows certain things to happen as a warning sign to say, pay attention, listen, look at me, look to me. Um, and I, and I think that he he's sometimes tries to get our attention because he knows that the best thing for our life is to pay attention to him, to trust him. Not every evil that happens is directly caused by God. 
but sometimes God uses things that happen to get our attention. And I think this is one of those instances where God just kind of removed his protection a little bit from these, these youth in Bethel, and, and it allowed for these animals to, to attack and to devour them where God could have protected them. And he said, if you don't want me, I'm going to remove my protection. I'm, I'm going to give you what you want, what you've chosen. I've been protecting you, and now I'm going to remove some of that protection because you don't want me to be with you. You don't want my protection. You're rejecting me. And God allows these, these, these young men to to be killed and his intention is is that everybody else would see that and that they would kind of go we need God we, we need the protection that Yahweh offers we need to turn from our sin the, these false deities Baal Asherah they're not gonna they're not gonna save us we need what God would have for us um, and again I think that for us the, the the key focal point is to pay attention to God and to say God I need to trust you um, in all things I need to trust your word I need to not push it aside, not ridicule it, not say that I don't need you and I don't want you and I don't need you in my life, but to say, how can I get more of God? How can I learn the word of God more? How can I follow Jesus more closely? How can I forsake um, what this world offers me um, and the kingdoms of this world so that I can be a part of God and what he has for me? So um, that's a little bit of some of my takeaways on, on that passage, and, and hopefully that's helpful if some of you I uh, wanted to read through that passage in just a, a very interesting story and, and, and kind of a, a miracle, if you will, that happens during the life of Elisha. Hope you have a great day. I uh, look forward to seeing you uh, this coming Sunday as we continue on with our study in, in the life of Elisha. And we'll be looking at 2 Kings um, chapter 3 and just an interesting story on ridiculous trust. I hope to have you with us. God bless.